0: Good news, everyone. Jeff Okuda will be back at some point early this season, and we'll talk exactly why this upcoming 2023 season is so important for Jeff Okuda, the player. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So welcome back to this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every single day. And of course, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, your very humble host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, which is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Just go to birddogs.com slash Locked on NFL or enter the promo code Locked on NFL for a Yeti-style Tumblr, you won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. In today's episode, we also want to thank our people that listen to our show. For, God, good grief. Uh, guys, thanks to all the everydayers that listen to the show. For the first listen. So some weekends, guys, like I unplug, and then when we get back to doing the show, I'm just like, what am I doing here? But okay, make sure you follow in the footsteps of the everydayers. By subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast, so hopefully we'll get this show back on track. But um, today we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jeff Akuda and the good news that we got. Right, we got an update from Arthur Smith on Saturday after practice that they got some positive news on Jeff Akuta He said Akuda will be back early this season dealing with that ankle injury. We did talk a little bit about this on Saturday's episode. You, so many of you have might have missed that episode if you. You know, or like a lot of people that only listen to the podcast during the week when you're commuting to and from work. But we did an episode on Saturday, uh, one extra this week where we were joined by John Macri of Pro Football Focus, talked a lot about fantasy football. But we also talked about sort of how the Jeff Okuda injury could potentially impact the team and sort of who are going to be the players that fill his shoes. And, And as we saw on Saturday's practice, it continues to be Trey Flowers and Mike Hughes as the next men up as it was on friday's practice so if you want to get more insight into those players and what i think how the team adjusted it go listen to that episode instead today we're going to talk more about how this injury specifically affects jeff Okuda, the man in the player right rather than the team right and we as fans tend to look at it from the team perspective because we have loyalty to the team and all that sort of stuff but there is a often forgotten human element when it comes to these things and one of the things i i try to do from time to time is talk about you know the players and that human element and i'll certainly be working harder to do more of that on the podcast than just always automatically talking about it from the team's perspective but you know with jeff akuta th- you know this was as we discussed on the previous episode like this is another setback in what has been you know a lot of adversity that jeff akuta has dealt with in the nfl and you know i don't know enough about jeff akuta's personal life but i just know on the football field you know he had a lot of success so it's probably easy for me to say that he probably didn't deal with that much adversity on the football field given that type of success that he had at the collegiate level you know coming out of the Dallas Texas area five-star recruit goes to one of the top programs in the country in Ohio State you know has a very successful career there at Ohio State and is a number three overall draft selection which you know again I need to point out that's not common right prior to Jeff Okuda being the number three overall selection in 2020 the last time a cornerback was taken in the top three in an NFL draft was 1997 right when sean springs another ohio state cornerback got taken that high now we've seen Derek stingley go that high since then but you know that's pretty special for a cornerback that's you know essentially historic when you talk about where he got drafted but once he gets into the nfl hamstring injuries kind of derail the beginning of his rookie season then he gets on the field doesn't play particularly well then he's hampered by shoulder injuries and a growing injury Ultimately shuts him down for that season. The coaching staff there, Matt Patricia gets fired. A new regime comes in under Dan Campbell, right? Looks like he's working his way back, having a good summer. And then the season opener in 2021, terraces Achilles he's done for the year, right? Then he battles back last year, seems to do a good job, lands a starting job, but plays well early in the season. But it seemed like for whatever reason, you know, he kind of got in the coaching staff's doghouse and he's benched by the end of the year. He gets traded to Atlanta for, virtual pennies and this is kind of the last opportunity that jeff okuda has to kind of be a starter in the nfl the last good opportunity we should say right and it's not to say that the falcons have given him anything you know by all accounts jeff okuda has played very well in the early part of camp before his injury and and certainly was a guy that was you know, earning his opportunity as a starter here. But it was very clear that the Falcons were like, we believe Jeff Okuda is our starter when they cut Casey Hayward, when they did not use that premium draft pick on a cornerback, like so many people, myself included, you know, earlier in the offseason were speculating that they would wind up doing right. And that was because they had this belief in Jeff Okuda. And after the season, I don't know how many opportunities Jeff Okuda is going to, we have where a team is going to be like, he's our guy, he's our starter. And, and just basically, you know, essentially, Again, not saying anything has been given to him, but give him that opportunity, right? Because after the season, Jeff Akuda will be a free agent. Didn't have his fifth year option picked up because he was traded, right? There's literal money on the table, right? Like Terry Fontenot took Jeff Akuda into this meandering hallway in a back room and flowery branches, some secret room that Jeff Akuda had never seen before in the facility, unlocked the door and there's a money, there's a whole stack of money on a table in the middle of that room. It's like $12, 14000000 million. And Terry Fontenot was like, hey, Jeff, that's your money. If you play well this year, that, that's going to be your money, right? And that's what's on the table for Jeff Okuda. Now, he's made a lot of money on his rookie contract, but now he potentially gets to set up him himself and his family and all these other things for the rest of his life with the money that he potentially earns this year, and it may be that he'll never get an opportunity to earn that type of money. Because when we're talking about the money he's type of earning, we're talking about high end number two cornerback money, right? We're talking about what Jamel Dean signed with the Tampa Bay, what James Bradbury's is getting from Philadelphia, right? Because we are assuming that you know AJ Terrell's going to get that number one cornerback money next year, which is potentially twenty million dollars or more, and then Jeff Okuda is going to get that high end number two money, which is potentially 13, 14 million dollars or more. So there's a lot of paths ahead for Jeff Okuda and how his career may go. And a lot of it hinges on this season and how well he plays when he comes back from this latest setback. Right. But we hope we're hoping that he comes back very strong. Right. Because one path for Jeff Okuda is, you know, he plays well down the stretch this season for however many games he he plays this year. And the Falcons give him, you know, take him back to that room, that secret room that he's been trying to figure out where it is in the, in the week since Terry Fontenot showed him that room and, you know, they give him all the money and they're like, he goes on to have a lot of success here in Atlanta for many, many years to come. Right. And then there's another path and, and plenty of other paths beyond this other path. But, you know, there's another path where he doesn't earn that money and right. That room is locked forever and the rest of his career, he's considered a journeyman. He's considered a bust. When people talk about Jeff Akuda, they don't talk about the five-star recruit that was one of the highest uh, rated recruits coming out of his local area at the time, you know, many years ago, they talk about his name is associated with bust. His name is associated with failure. And we don't want that for Jeff Acuda, right? You know, that wouldn't be fair to Jeff Akuda given all the hard work and all the adversity that he's been forced to to have to overcome. So we're rooting for Jeff Akuda, the player. This is a big year for him, and hopefully we get more good news as you know things unfold when it comes to Jeff Akuda. But we'll continue today's episode talking more about sort of what sort of timeline we can expect from Jeff Akuda recovering from this injury, as well as what the Falcons do, and especially that defensive line does to sort of compensate for the absence of Jeff Akuda in the time that he is out of the lineup. But first guys, I want to tell you that Bird Dogs is going to help you look good all summer long with their stretch khaki pants that are designed to fit slimmer and through the thigh and leg and give you that truly sculpted look. And they fit way better than regular shirts because regular shorts, I'm sorry, because Bird Dogs invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they also have that anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long with bird dogs every day at the gym is going to be leg day. Or if maybe you're like me and you're not going to the gym as much as you should, you know, I, my bird dogs came in handy a month or so ago when I was at the beach, forgot to pack my swim trucks and I was able to, you know, look good on the beach in the ocean with my bird dogs. And so however you want to wear them, whenever you want to wear them, try them for yourself by going to birddogscom dogs.com slash locked on NFL. And you'll get a free Yeti style Tumblr with your order. That's birddogs.com. Slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. So let's get into speculation territory here on the Locked On Falcons podcast. And you know, we don't know the exact status or injury of Jeff Akuda, right? You know, I believe it's a high ankle sprain. Again, that's just a guess here, purely speculative on my part. And we don't know how much time he's going to miss. But we assume some part of the regular season he'll miss based off of Arthur Smith's comments. And I'm going to assume that he'll be back week four for that London game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But frankly, both of those expectations and that diagnosis, I'm completely pulling out of my butt. Right. But unlike other people, when they start talking out of their butt. Um, I try to be responsible, right? I try to bend over, spread my cheeks and show you exactly where I'm pulling from my butt. And yes, did I use that extremely colorful metaphor about bending over and spreading my cheeks? Yes, I did. Right. And now that I have your attention, and I have the attention of pretty much everybody else in the room that you're listening to this podcast with when you decided today, you know what, I don't need to put in my headphones, because I'm sure Aaron's not going to say something completely inappropriate on today's episode. But of course, I'm going to surprise you on this illustrious podcast, but you know, getting back to the subject at hand, you know, when it comes to those expectations with Jeff Okuda, high ankle sprain, week four return, I'm not married to those conclusions. We'll get more information as the summer unfolds, uh, and we'll adjust accordingly. But you know, I don't know how much information we're going to get moving forward because we know Arthur Smith tends to be cagey with injury information. But if it is a high ankle sprain, this is probably one instance where Arthur Smith isn't just being Arthur Smith by withholding information because high ankle sprains are notorious for being kind of hard to predict when a player is going to come recover from them. Right. If you just Google high ankle sprain NFL recovery time, you're going to get a whole bunch of different results, right? Some are going to say two weeks. Some are going to say three months, right? You're going to see two to four weeks, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks. It's all over the place. We know players have played on high ankle sprains. Patrick Mahomes did it this past year in the chief Bowl run. We saw Roddy white do it. Um, I guess less successfully back in 2013 uh, when he suffered an injury in training camp and played the early part of the season, a high ankle sprain. Uh, And then that led to that sort of compounded other injury issues that he wound up having with hamstring and a knee and, and it was just a whole thing that season. But, you know, to me, the reason I pick week four is like, it's eight weeks from now, as I record this. And so it feels like we're covering all our bases on that. And again, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if we have to adjust that timeline accordingly. But uh, that's why I sort of bent over, spread my cheeks and presented you with that number. But in the meantime, you know, how do the Falcons adjust without Jeff Akuda in the lineup? And as we discussed on Saturday's episode, you know, you, you feel a little bit better given the potential drop off from Jeff Akuda to his replacements in Trey Flowers, Mike, Mark Hughes, Mike Hughes or whoever else replaces him. Uh, Because of the better supporting cast the Falcons have beyond that cornerback position, especially when it comes to the, the pass rush, as well as the safety play. And on that episode, we talked about how you're kind of hoping that you're getting like the 2021 version of Fabian Moreau, which we here on this podcast thought was like a solid league average starting cornerback. But in that year in 2021, that type of play got exposed probably a little bit more because you didn't have a pass. You had the, the worst pass rush in the NFL. You probably had one of the worst safety groups in the NFL. Um, and hopefully that is not going to be the case this year for Trey flowers, Mike Hughes, Clark Phillips, whoever winds up filling in uh, Jeff Akuda's shoes in in the meantime. And, and certainly, you know, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but you probably, we need the Falcons pass rush to step up anyway. Uh, and especially if Akuda does miss time, right? Because if we're assuming that you know Week Four return for Jeff Akuda, that means he's going to miss the first, miss the first three games of the season. That's against Carolina, Green Bay, and Detroit, right? And I think if the Falcons are going to win those games, you know the pass rush is going to be pivotal in all three of those games. You got two young, unproven quarterbacks in in weeks one and two: Bryce Young, Jordan Love, playing on the road here in Atlanta. You know the the dome is going to be jumping. But, um, you know, if you want to give those guys a rough go in those, you know, early road games, you you want the pass rush to to be sort of the thing. And when you look at a team like Carolina, they have an up and coming young offensive line, but you want our veteran D line or whatever to basically say, yeah, you guys and and say the same thing to Bryce Young. You guys might be really good in like two or three years, but you're not good yet. And we're going to take you behind the shed and we're going to beat you. And then you look at a team like Green Bay the following week where, you know, when healthy, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. But the last couple of years, their problem has been they haven't been very healthy. And, you know, presumably that they'll be relatively healthier in week two than they probably will be in week 12 this year. Um, You still want this defensive line to be like, yeah, you used to have that reputation, but that reputation is not going to be the case anymore as one of the best O-lines in football when healthy, because we're also going to take you behind that shed and we're going to beat you. And then that's all to build up to the week three matchup where you may be facing one of the best offensive lines of football with the Detroit Lions, right? That if, you know, Philadelphia's probably got the top spot as the best O line in football, but I think I would probably put Detroit forward as the, the top, the, you know, the front runner for the number two spot, right? I would put them over Kansas City or over Cleveland um, as potentially the second best offensive line of football. And certainly if, if the Falcons D-line can take those guys behind the shed and and beat them, Right. Like that's going to make you feel really good about how they're going to match up with some of the lesser offensive lines or some of the more questionable offensive lines that they face. You know, after that point, with teams like Jacksonville, who offensive lines a little shaky uh, at this point in time, so. That's kind of what you're looking for. and So you're really hoping that this Falcons defensive line and pass rush really sort of steps up this year. And certainly, you know, if they can take care of business in those first couple of games, you feel really good about their ability to take care of business, you know, for the remainder of the season. That's going to be a great litmus test to see how far this defense and how far this pass rush has come. If they can really give problems in those first three games, uh, if and when, you know, a player like Jeff Okuda is out in the lineup. So we'll see about that. We'll also wrap up today's episode talking more about Frank Darby, of all things, as well as some of those other players from that 2021 draft class that we kind of wrote off going into the summer. But apparently things are not quite dead with those guys, and we'll get into all of that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. Now that preseason games are upon us, we know that football season is right around the corner. It's about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win a Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets after every victory. You'll use bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. You know, if you want to bet on the Falcons winning the Super Bowl, their odds are plus 5,500. That means if you bet $200 today on the falcons to win the super bowl you will win eleven thousand dollars should they wind up doing that but not only that you know winning at the end of the season all season long you'll be getting bonus bets every time the falcons win this year so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and you'll start earning bonus bets with america's number one sportsbook that's fanduel.com slash locked on so let's wrap up today's Locked on Falcons talking about four players from that 2021 draft class that we, and I probably should use air quotes, we wrote off going into the summer. When I say we, I mean me, right? But you know, if you're an everyday or here on this podcast, you're in the same boat as me, as you plus me equals we. Uh, And shout out to the everydayers, guys. Uh, We'll have some great guests as well as break down some of the uh, joint practices later this week uh, if you continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen. But, you know, those four draft picks from that 2021 draft class that we wrote off were third-round offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield, fourth-round cornerback Darren Hall, fifth-round edge rusher Deji, and sixth-round wide receiver Frank Darby. And all those guys came into the summer, you know, being basically considered on the roster bubble, Right. Um, and I think the main reasons we kind of wrote those guys off and why they were put on the roster bubble after, you know, relatively bigger things were expected from those guys a year ago is because those guys didn't make the year two jumps that we were hoping for last year. Right now, some of that's owed to injuries, some of that's owed to other factors and whatever. But we talk a lot about year two jumps on this podcast, uh, and it's because most of the time it's it's very indicative if, if a guy makes that jump from year one to year two. And, and as as a reminder, most players In year one of the NFL are not very good. And so you want to see that jump from year one to year two. And that's usually an indicator that those guys are going to stick in the league beyond the sort of usual three or so years that your average NFL player sticks in the league before they ultimately get bounced. Right. And especially for the mid round guys or the late round guys, like some of the guys we're talking about, you know, you really need that year to jump because you're not really guaranteed future opportunities like some of the early round picks. Like, for example, Jeff Akuta being a first round pick, even if Jeff Akuda plays poorly this year in, in some scenario, some team is going to give Jeff Akuda another opportunity because he's a first round pick, right? Because those teams universally, for the most part, you know, think very highly of these first round picks. And they're like, Well, if he didn't work in Detroit, he didn't work in Atlanta, well, he'll work here and us. We'll give him that opportunity. But when you compare that to, say, you know, a day three guy you know, some of these guys that were taken on day three might only be on like six teams draft boards. And, you know, if he doesn't make it on one of those teams opportunities, no guarantee that those other, you know, five or so teams are going to be clamoring to, to get that guy into camp. And certainly the other 26 teams that were, you know, didn't think he was a draft worthy player certainly aren't going to be, you know, looking hard at him uh, to bring them in to the fold and whatnot. So, It's important for these late round guys to make that year two jump all that to say. But, you know, with this group, you know, Frank Darby's sort of stands out among this group because he's gotten probably the most praise out of this group. Now, some of that may be owed to the fact that he plays wide receiver and his success, especially with like one on ones and whatnot, is probably a little bit more visible than, say, a trench player like Jalen Mayfield or Adeogandeji and whatnot and of course with a cornerback like Darren Hall those one-on-one sessions are kind of geared to make the cornerbacks look worse than they are to make those guys look good but you know it is notable that multiple people have pointed out that you know Frank Darby has looked pretty good and had his best summer so far and we knew going into the summer that Frank Darby had a a legit chance to make the 53-man roster as potentially the Falcons fifth wide receiver uh, with that spot being sort of completely up for grabs Going into training camp, I think I had Josh Ali on my 53 man roster projection, uh, you know, heading into training camp. But, you know, between Frank Darby, Josh Ali, Penny Hart, Zay Malone, Keelan Harris, Slade Bolden, etc. All those guys have as good an opportunity. And you've heard various praise for many of those guys, as I just mentioned. On today's episode. So it's not to sit here and say that, you know, Frank Darby's jumped to the head of the pack, but certainly it seems like Frank Darby's stock is up at this point in time. And so, you know, I think the joint practices this week, as well as the preseason game against Miami, will be a golden opportunity for Frank Darby, as well as those other receivers, to potentially create some separation right between those guys i think they're all kind of lumped in together and if one of those guys emerges out of that dolphins game or these dolphins practices is looking especially good that may help them you know wind up making the 53 man roster when we look at the other guys you know Jalen mayfield a player that's got a lot of criticism on this podcast over the years you know found out that you know the move back to right tackle this summer right not certainly not something that i look at with a lot of confidence but it sounds like that was a move made by Jalen Mayfield. The team went to him and asked him, do you want to, you know, where are you going to be most comfortable at? He said, right tackle. And that's where they moved him. But he did earn some praise from Arthur Smith this past week in practice. Right. Uh, and as I said, we've been very critical of Jalen Mayfield on the podcast has been nothing personal, but you guys know that I, I tend to try to be as honest as I possibly can when it comes to my opinion on the player. Right. That's what I get paid to do. Right. But I am actually looking forward and eager to seeing what Jalen Mayfield does look like this summer in the preseason games where we get a little bit more eyes on him than necessarily that you're going to often see in the practices. So that is something I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking forward to eating some crow. Uh, if uh, you know, that is the case with Jalen Mayfield and he comes out and does look a lot better at that right tackle position than uh, you know, previously I projected him to look at that position because to remind those folks, like, I thought Jalen Mayfield needed to move the guard because I didn't think he had a chance of, of lasting in the NFL as a tackle, but we'll we'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong on that. Now, you look at a player like Darren Hall, right? He's had some good days, according to some observations. He seems to be stuck in the third-string cornerback group, you know? Now, one man's setback is another man's opportunity. And that's kind of perfectly describing this situation with Jeff Akuda, right? It sucks for Jeff Akuda, but this is an opportunity for Darren Hall, right? And right now it seems like he's stuck behind guys like flowers and Hughes and Armstrong at that cornerback position. In addition to, of course, uh, Terrell and Akuda. but with Akuda out of the way, you know, this is an opportunity for, you know, Darren Hall over the next several weeks that we assume Jeff Akuda is going to be out on lineup to make up some ground. So he can do that in practice. He can do that in the game. So, you know, this is an opportunity for Darren Hall, right? Then you look at Adeogandeji. You know, he's also gotten some praise this week, right? The the Ikenna and the Chuku injury, certainly, you know, that's one less obstacle in his way to making a bid, not only for the 53-man roster, but potentially the practice squad. So we'll see what he also brings to the table in some of the upcoming games later this summer. So, you know, I, I still would say it's all uphill battles for all four of these guys, but I don't think they're quite dead yet, and I think it's worthwhile to give those guys a little bit of love, and we'll see, you know, when we get into these preseason games and more practices, if we're giving them even more love in the coming days and weeks, right, because they actually start performing, and and maybe we need to talk about, hey, you know, not everybody makes that year two jump, maybe some guys make that year three jump, right, that a lot of people thought they would make in year two, so that may be something to keep an eye on, something to incorporate into future analysis with these guys, but uh, wanted to give those guys their love uh, that they don't often get on this podcast. So uh, that is it guys really appreciate you tuning in for another episode of this illustrious podcast. Continue to check out future episodes. We maybe get to some of your questions on future episodes uh, as well. So if you want to send those in via Twitter, Facebook, you can do so at locked on Falcons. You can hit up the discord, uh, the locked on Falcons discord link in the description below. You can also email me at locked on uh, to provide your feedback, on all things illustrious on this uh, daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And in the meantime, guys, make sure you check out the various other shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast feed, including Locked On Braves, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Bulldogs, as well as ATL Day Ones and Hitting Hard. And, of course, make sure you check out the Locked On NFL podcast that is keeping you up to date on all things going on with the other 31 NFL teams each and every day. It's all part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.